Welcome to this is Stephen Investigates. When did this shit show start? Well, I've got here 1901 question mark. Uh, that's something the Jehovah's Witnesses have said that we're going to look into a bit later about how the Psalms, yes, that Psalms, Biden says Psalms, but it's not, it's Psalms. Uh, when did this start? And the Jehovah's Witnesses say 1901. They say the Psalms, number one, lines up with 1901 as sort of like the beginning of the end of the world. And there are 150 Psalms, so we've got till 2050. <laughs> Seems about right. Who would have guessed it? Well, you know, if I said to you the shit show started in 1901, I'm sure you'd come back with umpteen examples as to the shit show was already going on before that. But was it? Was there something different? So initially I looked at the Boer War and I looked into the Boer War and their situation. It's quite an interesting situation. It's actually the Second Boer War, 1899 to 1902, uh, was one of the first ultra-modern wars um, because... I mean, there's so many wars in the 1800s, but most of them were were, were putting down revolts, uh, liberation wars, things like that. So quite unequal sort of sides. It was the big empires fighting against the little people most of the time. Uh, but the Boers, you see, they had money. I mean, they were Euro made up of Europeans, quite uh, considered themselves... Uh, what's it called? Uh, they can take a lot. <laughs> they were resilient, quite resilient people. They considered themselves a mixture of Europeans. They kind of their language had developed together and things like that. Quite interesting, really. Um, but yeah, th so they were fighting the English, and they actually had more advanced weaponry than the English which which was new. But so, so not only were they at fighting at home, whereas the English were fighting miles away from home, uh, they had better weaponry. I mean, they had less people to fight for them, but um, they put up a good fight, although they they lost in the end, mainly because the English decided to attack their supply routes which was their homes and their farms. So pretty, I'd say, um, not honourable ways of fighting. And is that the question? Because there may have been all these wars before, but they had so many rules. Um, you know, they were fought honourably in a sense. And a lot of these wars, like I said, were very uneven. So... The people, uh, most of the time, may have just put their hands up and, and got conquered. And then, most likely, got put into slavery because that's what you've done with a conquered people for the last several thousand years. You've enslaved them. Now, it was the British, it seemed, that began the abolishment of slavery. But as I've talked 
before about, you know, was this abolishment of slavery in name only? Because, let's face it, what else are they going to do? They're going to have to work for someone. They don't own land. You know, unless you took, unless the slaves like the ones in Haiti took the land back by force and became free people, unless you did that, you you had no claims to any land. And without, without land, are you free? So, although the British began this abolishment of slavery, 1807, they passed the Act in Parliament. It had been stopped previously by the Lords, but for about 30 years, I think they'd been trying. In fact, they did it because they had to, in a sense. Uh, I mean... We had the American Revolution, 1776, the French Revolution in 1789. I mean, the British must have been petrified that this was going to continue and there were going to be republics popping up everywhere and nobody wanted a monarchy. So really, out of they had to start um, changing in order not to... Uh, have more uprisings because I mean I'm sure they'd had plenty of uprisings and they'd still have more uprisings I don't know it's a, it's, it's, it's an interesting one I mean you had um, Pitt the Younger who was the longest serving British Prime Minister I'm sure I'd written this down somewhere I can't see it where <laughs> Pitt the Younger longest Britain's longest serving PM dies in 1806 his cousin is asked by George III to form a coalition government. His government was known as Government of All Talents. In 1807, they passed this ab abolition of slavery. Now, they've already got the people over there, so they banned sort of taking people captive and then transporting them to distant places, but <laughs> the British had already done this. And but they used this, they used this. Um, you know, like I said, they were trying to abolish. Well, they'd done it 1807, Bo Second Boer War 1899. So a long time later, they they're using this. Oh, we're the good guys, because we abolished slavery. But the Boers wanted to continue slavery. But let's face it, there's there's slavery and there's slavery. I mean, you could you could own slaves, and be really nice to them, give them the best food, the best living quarters. You know, you could treat them so kindly. Or you could be extremely cruel and mean. So there's this whole spectrum within slavery of, you know, you could be quite good and you could be terrible. Now, the Boers would argue that they were good to their slaves. They, they, part of the family. Um, they could even achieve. Um, they could even achieve, sort of, you know, end up owning land. And we're going to continue this. Um, we're just going to take a quick ad break. Back any moment after this.
So, we're back. So then, we were just talking about how the abolition of slavery got begun and how Britain used it in a in a way to condemn other societies who were uh, involved and wanted to continue being able to own people as slaves however they decided to treat them. And <coughs> as I was saying, the Boas considered you know, their way to be good. They were very God-devout people. And um, you could argue that they could be very kind to the, 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 the race of people that they had conquered and therefore taken, taken on instead of... Um, annihilated uh, to continue living under them but perhaps or perhaps not fairly and perhaps the same argument would be made for the uh, the south of america as they wanted also to continue slavery so what i'm saying here is what is the shit show to me the shit show is the lying, the deceit, the trickery, the conniving, the underhand ways to gain power. That's what I consider to be a shit show. And, you know, that is so apt for what the world we're living in now is like with all this COVID nonsense and we're all being locked down. So I'll just, I'll just read you this. I'll just read you this. So this is uh, quoted from, uh, getting it from Wikipedia. So we're talking about, um, well, I guess you'll get an idea of what we're talking about. The idea for a modern project for improving the human population through selective breeding was originally developed by Francis Galton, inspired by Darwinism. Francis Galton, rich guy, dropout, didn't finish uni, 
the half-cousin of Darwin. Uh, he was born in 1822, died in 1911. He invented the name eugenics in 1883. I'll quote again. As a social movement, eugenics reacted... Sorry. <laughs> eugenics reached its greatest popularity in the early 20th century, practiced around the world and promoted by governments and other institutions. Many countries enacted various eugenics policies, including genetic screenings, birth control, promoting differential birth rates, not quite sure what that is, marriage restrictions, segregation, both racial segregation and sequestering the mentally ill, compulsory sterilization, forced abortions or forced pregnancies, ultimately culminating in genocide. Then it just jumps to, by 2014, gene selection made possible in genome editing, sometimes called new eugenics. Well, I mean, a few things in there, but just the most obvious last two lines there. By 2014, gene selection made possible in genome editing, sometimes called new eugenics. Well, they're going to force vaccinate the entire world population. Could they be using gene selection for their eugenics program? I mean, what happened with this eugenics program? Surely it was unpopular among people. Being forced to get pregnant? Forced abortions? Compulsory sterilization? I mean, imagine that. You can't do that. Who judges? You just like don't like the look of someone and go, you're going to be forced sterilization. But this was done by the doctors. And perhaps not obviously, perhaps sort of under the under the wolf's clothing, as it were, in the NHS. Now then. Now then. So the British were pretty cruel during the Boer War. They couldn't win by their normal ways. They're used to winning. They didn't usually lose at this stage. So they went and they attacked their supply lines, their families. They, they, they shipped their slaves off. They took the women and children and put them in camps and most of them died. And this, these death camps, as they were called, caused the, the Boer men, the fighters, to just obviously they didn't care about anything anymore. They were called the bitter enders. They just fought to the death. And interestingly, both Churchill and Gandhi were present in these places. Churchill was a young reporter, I think for the Telegraph, not sure. And Gandhi was there, Mahatma Gandhi. Now, I'm not quite sure why he was there. I'm not don't think it was as a um you know politician doing things i'm pretty sure it was 
It was, well, they had Indians doing the batteries for the guns. So they would carry up the batteries. And interestingly, they forgot to call them at one point. Perhaps Gandhi just refused. So I just I just find it interesting this period of time. Okay, let's let's start let's start here when the shit so show start right. Let's start here. So we've got mid mid seventeen hundreds. Now we've got we've got the empires: the British Empire, the Dutch Empire, the Spanish Empire, and the Russian Empire, the Ottoman Empire, who didn't actually go for um, expansion in any of these far off places, the German. Empire, the French and the Portuguese Empire. Big empires all going round, jumping on these little colonies, growing cash crops on them like coffee and sugar and tea and all the things we like. And the British were the biggest. They had the most. And they had won the... They had beaten the Dutch back in the previous... Uh, Dutch-Anglo wars, which were very much boat wars back in the 1600s and the early 1700s. And the British have come, had come out on top. So, But they've got a problem. They've run out of money. And in 1764, they passed the Sugar Act, which is a tax on all of these... Uh, sugar, molasses, which is used for making rum, uh, coffee, etc. And this really is what causes the American Revolution. So they obviously just went a bit too far, and the Americans thinking, we're not putting up with this, have an American Revolution. That, in turn, causes, in a sense, the French Revolution. Because they think, well, look, the Americans do it. We can do it. We can take over. We can get rid of these stupid fat royals. And we'll take over. And that in turn <laughs> led. Well, no. Did that turn? There was something else. No, that did. The 1791, the people of Haiti revolted against their French uh French in charge of them. So you've got all these revolutions kicking off w one each other. Everyone's thinking, well, if they can do it, I, we can do it. And if they can do it, we can do it. So the British at this point obviously scared, and as I said, they passed the Abolition of Slavery Act. You know, they're, they're, they're playing a game, saying, no, we'll be the good guys. And maybe they meant it. Maybe they really meant it back then. Maybe they, they really thought, you know, we are the dominant power in the world uh, this is the right thing to do and the Americans were with them and um, can't help sort of just bring up the Bible at this point and say that uh, the beast in the revelations you had the ten headed beast beasts if you like and there are all these empires the British, Dutch, Spanish, Russian, Ottoman, German, France Portuguese and the one and then, the, then, then there's the, uh, the the beast that comes after that beast, and that is a two-horned beast. People say that's because it's the buffalo, the buffalo America. And the America was the new beast that paid homage to the old beast, which is like with the old empires. They they kind of didn't um, go back against them, apart from just to say, look, we're the new beast. 
Um, but yeah, kind of we support all your old stuff that you did. We're down with that. So after 1807, I mean, well, not after 1807, but even began before that, 1803, the Napoleonic Wars started. And 1805, uh, Napoleon makes himself a uh, dictator of France. So they had their revolution. And then they had, you know, we're going to have a republic and all this. And then this guy Napoleon, popular, you know, power corrupts, doesn't it? And he obviously falls in love with himself too much, <laughs> perhaps. Makes himself emperor of France and has all these wars. Wants to expand and he does very well for for what they are. Uh, so when France invades Spain... This begins the Spanish-American Wars of Independence. And there is a there's a great many wars at this time. So many wars of independence going on all over the world. Many revolts, and and then they revolt, and then but what consistently happens is the big empires they come back and quash it. So it may take a few years, but they'll be back, and that's the message. You can have a revolution, but. We'll be back. Even Haiti, the French, you know, Napoleon, he, he lost a lot of people getting that back because Britain then helped against the French, you see. So. Uh, but uh, all these Spanish-American wars of independence were going on in the early 1800s. 1821 to 1832, Greek War of Independence. Britain helped help against the Ottoman Empire, so they're on the, on the Greek side. That's why we still have now um, presence in Cyprus. 1839 to 1842 was the first Opium War. So that's uh, Anglo versus China. Sorry if it isn't obvious. Anglo will mean English, America, uh, British. And in 13, 1839 to 1842, first Anglo and Afghan War. So, yeah. Uh, 1853 to 1856 was the Crimean War. Now that was a bit more of a collaboration. 1856 to 1860 was the Second Opium War. And again, there's all like loads of wars in between these. 1856 to 1857, Anglo-Persian War. So against Iran area. 1878 to 1880, Second Anglo-Afghan War. 1879 to 1879, Anglo-Zulu War. So you've probably heard about them. There's Zulus, thousands of them. Um, now, I'll just throw in here, because it's happened around this time. 1884 is when the Fabian Society was formed. And I've done lots of talks about the Fabian Society. And again, they are this... That their their uh, emblem is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, you can't. Can you get more deceptive? Are, are they not just stating that we are going to be deceptive? So I've talked about the Fabian Society a lot. They were formed in 1884, and they one of their co-founders, George Bernard Shaw, was was well up for this eugenics this eugenics project the it, the name eugenics invented in 1883 well that's just a year before the fabian society was started 
And again, you know, was it started with good intentions because of their emblem, a wolf in sheep's clothing? And it's called Fabian, named after some Roman uh, warlord guy, Roman whatever they call them. And uh, he, you know, he had these policies, you know, be patient, strike hard like the tortoise. Kind of, you know, just ways of w winning a fight, really. You know, whatever, whatever you have to do. To to win, that's all you care about. So where where where, where am I going? So when, when did the shit show start? Was it nineteen oh one? Now I did look at Psalms. I looked at the first few, and <clears throat> they didn't really tell me much. But if there's something in it, we should be able to have a look at some of these key these key years. Uh, these key years that we've lived through, like 2001, surely we can, we can derive something if there's any truth to these. Now, David, David wrote the Psalms, didn't he? So it, we're obviously hoping that David was off his head on some really good mushrooms. Um, <laughs> that he somehow foretold the future. Now let's look at number fourteen. Right, like I say, I haven't I haven't looked at this yet. I don't know what it's going to say. So nineteen fourteen is kind of when you know you've got these superpowers all sort of organizing themselves around the world, organizing their their colonies and what they need. And um, we'll mention Venezuela in a minute, but. That could be that could be something interesting, but I don't know. Um, you know, they're getting all organized, and then boom, 1914, a war that's supposed to have started with you know just someone being executed, but it was going to happen. You know, if it didn't happen then, it was going to happen later. It it was always going to happen. You know, they're just. It's it's just everything was gearing up for it, basically. A big world war. And just before we start that, we're just going to hit you with um, one more. I break. Be a quick one this time. And then we'll be back. In just a tick. Okay, and we're back. So, I was preparing to read Psalms 14, but I've been 
delayed a bit. Oh, sorry about that. Just talking about something else. <laughs> well, how, yes, how, how things were gearing up for the year 1914, this world war. It was always going to happen. It was it was going to get it was going to happen. It had to happen. The world war. Psalm 14 is named man's wickedness. The impious fool says in his heart, there is no God. Oh, how relevant is that, though, to this age of Darwinism and eugenics? Amazing. How vile men are, how depraved and loathsome. Not one does anything good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if any act wisely, if any seek out God. But all are disloyal, all are rotten to the core. Not one does anything good, no, not even one. Well, it is a world war, so everybody's involved. Shall they not rue it? All evildoers who devour my people as men devour bread and never call upon the Lord. There they were in dire alarm, for God was in the brotherhood of the godly. The resistance of their victim was too much for them, because the Lord was his refuge. If only Israel's deliverance might come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his people's fortunes, let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Now, I can't comment on how much of that sounds like 1914 because I didn't live through it. So let's go to 101 because that was 2001 and, and I was alive then. I remember it. That, 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 that changed a lot of things. Let's see what it says. If there's any truth in this, maybe it's coming out here. I sing a loyalty and justice. It's called Character of a Righteous Ruler. Okay. I sing of loyalty and justice. I will raise a psalm to thee, O Lord. I will follow a wise and blameless course, whatever may befall me. I will go about my house in purity of heart. I will set before myself no sordid aim. I will hate disloyalty. I will have none of it. I will reject all crooked thoughts. I will have no dealings with evil. I will silence those who spread tales behind men's backs. I will not sit at table with proud, pompous men. I will choose the most loyal for my companions. My servants shall be men whose lives are blameless. No scandalmonger shall live in my household. No liar shall set himself up where I can see him. Morning after morning I will put all wicked men to silence and will rid the Lord's city of all evildoers. Right, well, I don't think that had anything to do with um, the Twin Towers, <laughs> but maybe it's a more personal thing. Maybe it's sort of 
reaching out to you personally. Now, I remember 1996 was quite an amazing year for me, and then followed by quite a tough year, 1997. Though they're quite long, I'm going to read them. 1996, a new song. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, all men on earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Proclaim his triumph day by day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. Great is the Lord and worthy of all praise. He is more to be feared than all gods, for the gods of the nations are idols every one. But the Lord made the heavens. Majesty and splendor attend him. Might and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and might. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring a gift and come to his courts. Bow down to the Lord in the splendor of holiness and dance in his honor all men on earth. Declare among the nations, the Lord is king. He has fixed the earth firm, immovable. He will judge the peoples justly. Let the heavens rejoice and the earth exult. Let the sea roar and all the creatures in it. Let the fields exult and all that is in them. Then let all the trees of the forest shout for joy. Before the Lord, when he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the earth with righteousness and the people in good faith. Okay, 1997, the Lord is King. The Lord is King, let the earth be glad. Let the coasts and islands all rejoice. Cloud and mist enfold him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his enemies all around. The world is lit up beneath his lightning flash. The earth sees it and writhes in pain. The mountains melt like wax as the Lord approaches. The Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all peoples see his glory. Let all who worship images, who vaunt their idols, be put to shame, bow down all gods before him. Zion heard and rejoiced, the cities of Judah were glad. At thy judgments, O Lord, for thou, Lord, art most high over the earth, far exalted above all gods. The Lord loves those who hate evil. He keeps his loyal servants safe and rescues them from the wicked. A harvest of light is sown for the righteous and joy for all men. You that are righteous, rejoice in the Lord and praise his holy name. Okay, so, no, I didn't really feel that uh, corresponded with the year <laughs> I had in 19... Maybe the 96 one was good. I don't know. <clears throat> but when I started observing these, it was um, 2018. And 19 is... 2009, the w Psalm 119 is the longest psalm, longest chapter in the Bible. Now, a lot happened in 2019. And when you read um, 120, 
it seems to <laughs> well, you could fit it to this year. It's a short one. I'll read it again. One twenty. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. O Lord, I cried, save me from lying lips and from the tongues of slander. What has he in store for you, slanderous tongue? What more has he for you? Nothing but a warrior's sharp arrows or red-hot charcoal. Hard is my lot, exiled in Meshech, dwelling by the tents of Kedar. All the time that I dwelt among men who hated peace, I sought peace, but whenever I spoke of it, they were for war. Yeah, I, I don't really think they correspond with um, the years that we live in. I, I'm not sure that was their intention. But did the shit show start in 1901 after the death of Victoria? Who knows? Probably not. But it was an interesting angle to take. I'll just say about Venezuela. I just thought it was interesting that um, there was a Venezuela crisis in 1902 to 1903 where Germany, UK and Italy... Um, were on the same side against Venezuela. Now we all know Venezuela is extremely it's got so many resources. And that oil was tapped into in 1908. So after all this was over, they were they were secure enough, stable enough to allow the the European empires to come and get all the oil. Um, in 1895, the British took Guyana, which is next door to Venezuela. And the Venezuelans didn't particularly like it, uh, but the British weren't going to give up anything. And that got settled, but after that, well, the Americans did get involved if um, any of these Europeans were going to invade or try and take any more countries but they weren't getting involved in this sort of financial stuff until 1903. Then they started to play a bit more of a role. So I think that is a key time in history. And that Boer War, I think that was, that was key. And I guess even though the British kind of won in the end, that probably wasn't the end of it. You know, if you could manage to work out the 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 sides involved now because the church were against eugenics they didn't like this as eugenics in fact it was probably the church without the church this eugenics program probably would have continued on the unsuspecting masses and right now we'd all be uh, children of the eugenics generations we'd all have been selected I mean, who knows what problems that would have occurred, you know, when they they do these dog breedings and they eventually, you know, they can't they can't keep the breed going because the the, the dog has so many health health uh, elements and pain. You know, they live with pain in their life. So, you know, we could be a real messed up generation if if the if the church hadn't have actively uh, gone against this because everyone else was promoting it 
I mean, sure, we 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 got problems. We got problems partly because of it, uh, because we haven't tackled the population problem, which is a problem. But then I'm just going to end with this. Remember, by 2014, gene selection made possible in genome editing, sometimes called new eugenics. And now they're locking us down and they want to jab something in everybody's bloodstream. So on that, I wouldn't say this is conclusive, probably never is, but there we go. Do what we can. Okay, ciao for now.